It's time for Podcast Rewind, and the episode I've picked this week is just as relevant today as it was when we first published it. It's about tripling your traffic, and let's be honest, who doesn't want to triple their traffic, right? Even if you've 10x your traffic over the last year, another triple only adds to the thumb. Enjoy! Digital marketing has seen all sorts of changes this year, whether it's privacy, increased competition, changes in Google, decreased organic visibility on social media again, changes to conversion tracking in Facebook ads, all of this stuff. With everything that's going on, it can sometimes feel really overwhelming. What still works? How do we know where to put our attention on to drive more traffic to our websites? And where should I be putting my marketing focus in the next 12 months? Well, in this podcast episode, we're going to cover some traffic strategies that still work. How do we know they work? Because we've been using them on clients all year, and in particular on some smashing award-winning campaigns very recently. So I'll be sharing how each traffic strategy works, what sort of businesses should be using it, and if you're going to be implementing it, what to do first. So you can use this as a sort of annual traffic planning exercise checklist type thing, or you can just check it out for the bands, whatever you choose. We've broken these traffic strategies into four sections, content marketing, social media, SEO, which also includes paid search, really weirdly, and then digital PR as well. Let's do this. Welcome to the Exposure Ninja Digital Marketing Podcast. Welcome to the Exposure Ninja Digital Marketing Podcast. My name's Tim Cameron Kitchen. I'm Head Ninja at Exposure Ninja, which is a digital marketing agency. We help our clients to generate more leads and sales from their website. And that is exactly what this podcast is all about. Helping you drive in particular more traffic and qualified traffic to your website in the next 12 months. Now, I have to start this with a little bit of a disclaimer. I'm recording this episode with my three-week-old daughter strapped to me, so if you hear any weird snuffling noises, it's probably not me. And if one of us bursts into tears at some point, then I do apologize. But she should be fine. She's a pretty good sleeper. Okay, let's talk about the traffic strategies then. Actually, before we do that, before you go running headlong into any traffic strategy, we need to talk about how to work out where to focus on. Every business has a kind of natural fit type of marketing and traffic strategy. And these are the channels that are most likely to make the biggest difference. Not always, but most likely your business is going to get traction with one particular type of traffic source. And there are some traffic channels that will just never work for a particular type of business. So it's important that we understand the context and we know how to work out those ahead of time. You hear us talking a lot about target audience in Exposure Ninja podcasts and videos, and with good reason. When it comes to planning your traffic strategy, though, the main question we want to answer is, how do your customers find what you're selling? Or how do your target customers find what you're selling? Now, there are two main buckets here. There are two main types of answer. Either your customers will, on the whole, go to search. This is something that they're looking for. They have a problem. They recognize the problem. They go to some sort of search, whether it's Google or uh, you know, voice search or whatever, or Amazon, and they will try to find the solution themselves. So that's the first bucket. The second bucket is that you're selling something that's kind of impulse or through interruption ads. 
i.e. people don't necessarily know that they have this problem, and if we're going to sell them something or get them into our world, we need to appear in front of them when they are in the right frame of mind. So for example, a luxury clothing store will have a combination of both of these two. Some people are searching for brands and products. They know what they want to buy, they know the brands, they're, they're ready to do some shopping online. So they will search and that should be a search play. So search is relevant. But people can also be tempted by something that they see an influencer wearing. So they might be scrolling through Instagram, they might see an influencer wearing a particular item and they're immediately impulsively you know, compelled to make that purchase or to look into buying that thing. So there's a bit of an interruption play there as well. So that's an example of a business that kind of sits in the middle of this search versus interruption spectrum. Obviously, for something like a plumbing supplies firm, this is going to be very search focused. There aren't too many people that are scrolling Instagram hoping that they see, you know, a, a bullcock or something. Um, and, you know, oh, yeah, do you know what? I need one of those. That's the sort of thing that people are going to be searching for. Whereas there are other businesses like the crazy face mask that you see or these little flying drone things that have the lights on and you throw them in the room. And, you know, that type of stuff is pure TikTok gold. It's interruption focus. Nobody thinks that they need, nobody wakes up thinking, do you know what would be really cool? It's like this little flying drone thing that unfolds in my hand and I can throw, you know, nobody does that. That's an interruption purchase. So I don't want to labor the, the point too much here other than say that every, not every channel is right for every business. You need to think about where your audience is on this search versus interruption spectrum. Okay, that said, onto the traffic strategies. So we're going to start with some content marketing stuff. And blogs is our first traffic strategy. Now you've heard us talk about blogs a lot this year. I'm here to tell you blogs are working as well at the tail end of 2021 and into 2022, as we have ever seen them work. Now, why are we using blogs? Why should every business, basically every business should be writing blogs and should be writing blogs in the right way? Why? Because it's a great way of picking up organic visibility. So you can get blogs ranking on search for some really high quality, valuable informational keywords. And you can also use them in your social content. You can, for example, this video that I'm making now, this is a blog post, which we're then turning into a video and a podcast. So you can also use this on your social channels. And that's more an interruption play. So the blog or the I call it a blog, a blog has a particular, you know, connotation of being something that's time based. But what we're really talking about is producing regular written content on your website. This can form the, the kind of pillar of other channels and other work that you're doing. So fantastic strategy. So who should be using it? Anybody whose business is focused on search intent or businesses that need to educate or inform or entertain their audiences. So that's pretty much everyone. Now, how do you do it? Well, I can basically talk you through the process that most people use. Uh, most people think, well, what do I really want to talk about today? And then they go and write a post. Now, that's not necessarily the best way of doing it at all. What we really want to do is we want to understand the topics that our target audience is interested in. And in particular, if we're targeting search, we want to target the topics that our target audience is already searching for. So there are loads of great tools like Answer the Public. Um, let's in fact, just do a quick example. So let's say that I'm selling uh, computer keyboards. Let's say I've got a computer keyboard 
uh, direct consumer business or I've got an e-commerce store that just sells other people's um, computer keyboards. I could go to answerthepublic.com, type in computer keyboard, and it's going to give me uh, immediately, it's going to give me, well, after a short delay, it's going to give me uh, 75 questions that people are asking about computer keyboards. Okay. Now, all of these are potential blog posts. If I'm just to scan through some to see the ones that look best for or most suitable for me. So remember, I'm selling computer keyboards. I want to drive people to my website who are interested in purchasing a computer keyboard or who look like they will purchase one in the next however many you know days or weeks or months or whatever. So some people say, uh, some people are asking questions like, what are computer keyboard symbols? Well, that's not particularly commercially qualified, is it? That's not necessarily someone who's likely to purchase. So I'm probably not going to write my blog post all about the different computer keyboard symbols. Although I might potentially if people are looking for, you know, a computer keyboard that has more symbols or something like that. Um, How to type on a computer keyboard, probably not the one. Uh, Other things like um, which, which computer keyboard is best, which computer keyboard should I buy? Uh, Which computer keyboard is the most expensive? Um, Who uses computer keyboards that are inverted? These are questions that are more likely to be searched for by someone who is either ready to purchase or who could be tempted to purchase. So who uses a com- who uses inverted computer keyboards, for example? Well, that might be someone who's curious. There is a section of people out there that could probably be persuaded to use one if they heard a valid argument because it's quirky and it's a different thing to do. So I might write, write a blog post about, well, I'm definitely going to write posts like, which computer keyboard is best for gaming, which computer keyboard is best for productivity, which computer keyboard is best for Excel users. You know, I'm going to write all of those posts because they are very commercially relevant. And then I might start going more into the informational stuff like who uses inverted keyboards and why are inverted computer keyboards better and stuff like this. And then I can start trying to pick up people that are curious about that topic and could be nudged into purchase. So that's how you really want to uh, kind of find your topics. And then you're going to build your posts based on that. Now, if you're a B2B company, or you look in answer the public, and there are very few questions, and there doesn't seem to be much search volume for the sort of topics that you think you want to talk about, talk to your customers. If you are convinced that your customers, however few of them there are, are searching for these topics, and you're convinced that they are absolutely the right topics to talk about, then you need to trust that over the data. One of the mistakes that we see people making is that they will go for high volume keywords over relevant keywords. So, okay, so they'll look in a data tool, they'll say, well, you know, I'm selling really high end computer gaming keyboards, but whatever search tool is telling me that there's no volume for uh, computer gaming keyboards or best gaming keyboards or something like that. So instead, I'm going to write about, you know, musical keywords because there's loads of musical keyboards because there's loads of keyword search volume on, on that. Well, you can obviously see the issue there. They're talking about something that's not as relevant um, rather than going for relevance over volume. So it would always go for relevance over volume. And if you know your customers are searching for that topic, you know it's something that's painful to them, then go for it anyway. Okay, um, then what you want to do is divide your customer segments, your customer kind of buying cycle into three sections. We're going to go for curiosity, research, and intent. So this is your customer journey, basically, from the time someone has the the germ of an idea that they might be buying what it is that you're selling all the way through to making the purchase. You're going to want to write blog posts in particular. Well, if you're new to writing your blog and you haven't done many posts and you're going to want to start at the intent stage, 
then go to research, then go to curiosity. Let me talk you through an example. Let's say that I'm in uh, that I am going to end up buying uh, an ergonomic keyboard. Right? I'm just using keyboards because we're already talking about this topic. Let's say that I'm eventually going to buy an ergonomic keyboard. Now, in the curiosity phase, I might be searching for something like uh, wrist pain computer keyboard or how to prevent wrist pain. That indicates that I have a problem which could potentially be solved by an ergonomic keyboard. But I am not yet in the ergonomic keyboard journey. I don't even know that they exist. I don't know that that is a, a solution to the problem that I have. So that is an example of a curiosity focused term. Now, when you're writing blogs targeting curiosity terms, they're going to be you're going to be targeting very large search volume. Okay, a huge number of people searching for things like wrist pain, very, very competitive. So you might want to niche it down a bit. So let's say uh, wrist pain when using the computer. So you might write a post all about that. So here are the things to consider when you're using a computer. If you're uh, having wrist pain, you might want to consider the height of your desk and you know where your key, blah, blah, blah. And you might also want to consider the shape of your keyboard. Most computer keyboards are not designed for ergonomics. They're designed for whatever, whatever. And here are some examples of ergonomic keyboards. Here are some testimonials from people that have used it or stories about people that have used it, blah, blah, blah. So that's an example of a post that you would have at the curiosity stage. Then you've got um, people who are at the research stage. So this is where they're like, oh yeah, do you know what? Actually, these ergonomic keyboards does kind of sound like it's uh, it's actually making a bit of sense. So at that stage, people might be searching for uh, things like best ergonomic keyboard or best ergonomic keyboard Mac or stuff like that, right? So it's it's more qualified. It shows that they're actually in the sort of journey. Now, they're not necessarily committed to buying yet. They might be searching for something like ergonomic keyboard versus regular keyboard. So it's not necessarily a commitment to purchase. But if your post is good enough, and if your post does a good enough job of selling them on the ergonomic keyboard being the solution to their problem, then they can probably be convinced to buy, or at least a proportion of them can. So here you might be targeting phrases like, for example, uh, best ergonomic keyboard Mac or ergonomic keyboard versus a regular keyboard or you know whatever. Then you start moving to the intent phase. Now the intent phase is somebody who is actually looking to purchase. So often when people are searching for intent type searches on Google, they'll be getting product pages, they'll be getting category pages that rank. But sometimes still Google is showing for whatever reason, informational search results for in, uh, commercial intent based keywords. So if that's the case with you, if you look for, you know, let's say that you've got the Ergotron uh, 3000 keyboard, and, and you've noticed that people are searching for Ergotron 3000 keyboard versus Ergotron 2000 keyboard, you're like, well, this is someone who is clearly about to purchase, they're just trying to decide which one. And it's product pages that are ranking, or sorry, it's informational pages that are ranking, you might want to create a blog post that answers that question. So when you're writing your blogs, think about these three different types of user that you're targeting and write content that suits each one of those. And again, you can use Answer to Public, you can use whatever keyword tool that you like um, to, to do that research. So that's blogs, still working now, we see them working definitely, definitely through 2022. Um, Google is still ranking and prioritizing informational content. Sometimes now even commercial searches are bringing up informational pages. So this is something that more and more energy is going into. The bar is raising, these posts have to be better, they have to be longer, they have to be more detailed because everyone is doing this now. 
but it's still a priority strategy. Okay, let's talk about video. Now, 82% of all internet traffic is projected to be video in 2022, 82%. This raises a big question. Is your business using video? Now, at Exposure Ninja, we turn all of our blogs into videos. We find that actually video is one of our best engaging channels because video gives you an opportunity to build a relationship with people, a bit like a podcast does. But video also has the benefit of being search focused. So if people are searching for something on YouTube, then you have an opportunity to get in front of them like you would on Google organic search with a blog. But then when they're watching you, they're building that personal relationship as well with your brand, which is really, really powerful. So here's the secret to video. Your blogs can make great, great videos. If you're thinking, oh no, we can't do video, we're not set up, or I don't look like I'm um, from Love Island or whatever, that's totally cool. You don't need to be at all. There are some excellent examples of people who don't look particularly Love Island and who maybe aren't the best natural presenters actually getting some decent traction with video. Um, if you have a look at Mark Tilbury on YouTube, huge, huge following. Yes, he's not necessarily talking about the topics that are relevant to his business, but he's kind of run a side business. But this is someone who does not look like a YouTube influencer and he's making it work for him. So find the person that presents best. It might be someone on your sales team. Get them in front of a camera, get them basically reading out a blog, but making it a bit more entertaining as if they were presenting to a customer. This is a good way of starting in video. And a personal tip from someone who's recorded, I don't know how many videos, I would expect over a thousand, probably your first 20 are going to be horrific. And you're going to look back at all of them and squirm. You're going to think, oh, is that really what I look like? Is that really what I sound like? Well, you need video as part of your strategy. 82% of all internet traffic is video. That's the direction that the internet is going. It's worth spending some time to figure it out. Okay, um, next strategy that we're going to talk about with content marketing, this is particularly content on your website, is thinking about the landing pages that you are driving either your paid ads to or your cold organic traffic. So before we continue, think about all the website traffic you're receiving hitting one entry page, right? Imagine all the different entry pages you have on your site. If people are searching for a particular service that you're offering, they're probably coming through to the service page on your website. If people are searching for a particular product that you're selling, then they might be going through a product page. If they're searching for a type of product, going to a category page. If they're searching for your type of business, it might be your homepage. Still, so few businesses think of their website as a collection of landing pages. People are still thinking of their website as this single linear user journey where someone comes into the homepage, they read all the homepage, then they go through to the subpages. Now, with that sort of journey in mind, the content on your subpages doesn't need to be particularly in-depth because they've already got all the context from your homepage. They understand your business. They understand your story. They know what you do. They know where you serve. So then your service page is just really a kind of supplementary add-on. Do you offer this? Yeah, yeah, we offer this. Well, that is completely the wrong way to think about a website going into 2022. Your website is just a collection of landing pages. People will be coming in through every single page on your site. So that means that every page on your site needs to be a legitimate landing page. Cold traffic needs to hit that page, understand what you do, who you are, all of that kind of intro stuff that you would be hoping they would get from your homepage also needs to happen on every single page of your site. So 
Um, if you're selling computer keyboards, for example, you might not sell one to someone reading a blog about the definition of a computer keyboard. You might sell one to someone who is asking about the best one to buy for people with wrist ache. Then there are searches for stuff like how clean is a computer keyboard. You might be able to sell one depending on your advice. You know, that thing is disgusting and replace it immediately. But you're going to need to then drive them through to a commercial landing page on your site which does a good job of selling this keyboard and it does a good job of selling you. Otherwise, people are just gonna see that blog post and they're gonna think this is just an informational site. So we also need to think about these different types of traffic that are coming in and how we perform the switch. When they land on that blog post, how do we make it clear that this isn't just an information site, this is actually a site where they can fix their problem by giving you money or by becoming a lead. So landing pages, this, you know, this, principle has been in play for, I don't know, three, four, five years since Google started ranking deep pages on websites. It's more important than ever. If we think about things like dynamic search ads, what you're doing with dynamic search ads is you're saying to Google, here's my website, go and run some ads to the different pages on my website. Well, this means that every single page on your website that you, well, every single page that's in the, uh, the section that you give Google is then a landing page. We need to think about those as landing pages and so few businesses do. So this is a real priority for businesses going into 2022. Every page on your website should serve as a landing page. Now, by the way, if you're enjoying the podcast so far, be sure to subscribe on iTunes and follow us on Spotify, however you follow. And also we're running a new feature for the podcast. Now this is exclusive to podcasts. If you've got a question or a topic that you want us to cover, drop it in the review that you leave on iTunes, Spotify, wherever you leave your podcast reviews. If you give us a question in the review, we will answer it. This is our new thing. We want to get more reviews. So if you drop us a question in the review about digital marketing, we will answer it in a future episode and we'll call you out as well. So make it a really cool question so everyone thinks you're awesome. <laughs> okay, next section, social media. So here are the kind of big ballpark things you need to be thinking about going into 2022 with social. Social is, you know, one of the most polarizing marketing channels out there. Some will smash it, absolutely. They'll build their businesses on social and some will completely fail. They'll devote time, energy, resource, their mental, you know, oh, I'm going to give everything to social. And then they will, six months later, they will give up in a crumpled heap on the floor. Now, one reason that people fail is the stuff they're posting on social isn't right for their audience. Their audience isn't in that frame of mind. Now, I wanted to come up with an example to illustrate the sort of business that might struggle on social media if they get the audience frame of mind slightly wrong. I didn't want to come up with an easy example. I wanted to come up with a ridiculously difficult one. Now, the one I've come up with is a colonoscopy clinic. Yes, let's say that you are running a colonoscopy clinic, the finest colonoscopy clinic in your town. Now, no one is going onto Facebook to read the latest updates from a colonoscopy clinic. For and by the way, if you don't know what colonoscopy is, it's the camera up inside to check that everything is working okay, right? This isn't the sort of thing that people watch on TikTok. I'm sure there is a market for it, but it's, yeah, that, that you know, anyway, let's not go there. So no one is going on to Facebook to read latest updates from a colonoscopy clinic. If you're a boring business, and I use boring in inverted commas because no business is actually boring, but if you consider that your business is boring, 
then you are going to have a problem here because no one is necessarily going on to Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, whatever, to learn about this boring thing that you do. We're going to have to take a different angle. So using the colonoscopy clinic as an example, their audience is on Facebook, right? Your audience is on Facebook. Everyone's audience is on Facebook. And by Facebook, that's shorthand for Facebook, Instagram, you know, WhatsApp, uh, TikTok, whatever, right? Your audience is on social, but they're just not necessarily in that frame of mind, or they're not necessarily in the frame of mind to respond to an overt offer. Let's say that your colonoscopy clinic has a free consultation. If you run Facebook posts saying, hey, our colonoscopy clinic has a free consultation, you're not going to get a huge amount of engagement with that on social media. What you might want to do is become a resource and authority on gut health. Okay, so you've taken it one step away from the thing that you offer. You're offering a solution. You're going to become an expert on the problem. And you're going to share tips on, you know, bacteria balancing, different diet types, stories of people that have battle different conditions and one. Now what you're really doing with this and what boring businesses, again in inverted commas, can do with their social media is step out of being the solution and instead go and help people who are, you know, facing that problem. So uh, we, I'm just trying to think of a, a boring business. Let's say that you sell exhibition stands, right? Let's say that that is your thing. Now, if you're posting about these new exhibition stands that you've just made on Facebook and Instagram, you're going to get very, very little traction there because that is a very boring thing. It's typically only the sort of thing that people are going to be interested in for a very, very small amount of time in their lives. So people aren't going to follow an exhibition stand on Facebook or Instagram. If you take a step back from that and say, what do we really help people do? Well, we help people to build a relationship with their audience. We help people to uh, meet their audience in person. We help people to represent their brand in the best possible way. Well, those are three different problems that people have, which actually they will be really interested in reading more stuff about on social. So let's say, for example, that you, uh, you take the angle that we help our audience to meet their, face, their customers face to face. We help our audience build in-person relationships with their customers. Well, you might then start publishing stuff on your social about, you know, here's how to run events or here's how to run a customer appreciation event. Here's how to get the most out of trade shows. Here's how to find the right trade shows to get the most leads for your business. Now, that's the sort of thing that is going to be more interesting to people. And it's going to be interesting evergreen, not only when they're thinking about booking a trade show. So this is the thing about social. You need to find the angle that is actually going to get traction. If you just go onto social and shout about what you do all day long, mostly nobody cares. Unless you're a very special, lucky type of business, you're selling, you know, fashion, you're selling, uh, I don't know, uh, direct consumer beds or something like that, then it's the sort of thing that potentially no one can care about. Well, if you step, take a step back from it and say, what's the problem that our audience have? What are they really trying to solve when they buy this thing from us? Well, then you can become an expert in that. You can basically create the media property, the magazine, all about that which then collects your audience. So when you do present them a commercial message, oh, and by the way, if you're running one of the customer appreciation days, which we've just given you a template for, here's a great stand that can be used as a lead capture thing or an entrance thing or whatever, then they're more likely to buy from you. Okay. Um, another reason that people fail on social is that they choose their social channels based on their own preference rather than their customers. Okay, if you love Instagram, you might feel tempted to go and post on Instagram 
whether or not your customers are there. This is very common in businesses where the marketing manager is younger than the target audience. So the target audience might be spending their time on LinkedIn, where the largest age group is 46 to 55. But the marketing manager might be more Instagram age, 25 to 34, or even TikTok, 18 to 24. So when they're thinking about social strategy, they might go, well, Instagram, it's obvious I spend all my time there. But that might not be where their audience is. This is very common as well with Facebook. A lot of younger people are in a world where Facebook is dead. Facebook is not useful at all. Facebook is, you know, what we used to use after MySpace. Well, for a lot of markets, actually, Facebook still has the largest organic engagement. If you put people in a group or, you know, you've got a good page which has good traction, then you can get more visibility on Facebook than you can on some other channels. So this is about understanding where your audience actually spends their time worth surveying them. Where do you spend most of your time on social media? When we do a new show or when we've uh, found a new source of leads, we will call people up and we will say, which are the social channels when you wake up? Which are the social channels that you're hitting? Where do you spend most of your time? Where do you spend most of your posts? And how do you engage with people on these channels? We want to understand which channels are most important to them. So meet your audience where they are. Just because you don't use LinkedIn or you think everyone who does is full of rubbish, that doesn't mean your audience isn't there. Now, the third reason that people fail with their social is that their content, I don't know how to say this, their content sucks, right? Now, I know that social content is really difficult. I totally get it. When you've got that blank write post box, what do you actually write? Well, here's a couple of examples. Pictures of your stuff in action in a way that people will find interesting or enjoyable. This is most suitable for businesses who have a visual product. So, you know, Gymshark, perfect example. If you watch the video version of this podcast, we look at a Gymshark post. It's great. We look at a few different ones. It's great. Shows it in context. It's inspiring. It's social type of content. And it's a great way of championing your customers. You know, here is at whoever using the blah, blah, blah. So that's a great way of kind of building user-generated content and showing credibility and social proof. But another type of post, if that doesn't work for you, if you're more, again, quote unquote, boring, which by the way, absolutely nothing wrong with being this type of business, you can share tips and advice if you solve a problem. So for example, Teamwork, the uh, software company, so they sell like project management software, they share tips and advice on how to run projects, how to be successful in running projects. Exposure Ninja, we sell something that is fundamentally boring, I guess, which is digital marketing, in that we're never going to post something on Instagram and get 2 billion likes on it. It's just not going to happen because we're sharing information about how to help a particular type of business generate more leads and sales through their website. That isn't sexy to the outside world. Shocking, I know. So what we have to do is we have to share tips and advice that help people get closer to their goals, because that's the sort of stuff that people are going to engage with and find interesting. And with most social posts, most social channels, sorry, seeing heavily reduced organic traction, we expect this trend to continue. It's likely that you will need some form of paid promotion behind it for the foreseeable future. If you're going to be putting time and energy into social, you put like 90% of your time, you put loads of time into custom designing your posts, you might design them in Canva or whatever, you put them up, you think about what to write, you post them, and then you get 40 organic views. That's pointless, right? May as well put $5, five pounds behind that post to boost it so you actually get some visibility with your audience. 
And by the way, boosting your posts and getting to an, into a habit of boosting your posts can be quite a useful exercise because it also forces you to look at your posts and think, am I actually happy boosting this post? Is this post good enough to be boosted? Or am I just putting out some rubbish so I can tick the mental checkbox in my head that says I posted today? It's a question. <laughs> okay, let's talk about SEO. Now, SEO has seen some changes in 2021. We've had Core Web Vitals rollout. Everyone expected it to be pretty much of a nothing. We're still seeing some very slow, very under-optimized sites ranking. But this is the direction that is Google. This is the direction that Google is going. So we need to make sure that our sites are loading fast and all that type of stuff. Featured snippets continuing. Google is showing more and more uh, content from websites in the search results, but that is still not dampening the click-through rates too much, and it's still not dampening the conversions that can be had through organic search. So if you're search focused, Google is still the hottest place to be seen on the planet. In fact, give me visibility in any time of digital marketing, any channel, give me one place that I could be found, I would ask to be top of Google for people that are looking for what I sell. It's that old question. If you could put a burger van anywhere in the world, where would you put it? You put it in front of a crowd of hungry people and that is Google. Until Google is replaced, and by the way, is search going away? Well, logic tells us that yes, at some point, surely text-based search will be replaced. It probably won't be voice-based search, that's a completely different thing. But with an estimated 2 trillion Google searches carried out each year, Google has more data about what people want than any other entity in history. It's gonna be very difficult for anybody to unseat Google, and Google is very aggressive at protecting that. So whatever next form of search there is, it's likely Google is going to be a player there. And for the foreseeable future, we are going to be targeting text-based search as the number one way of getting qualified traffic onto websites. So when it comes to SEO, there's no two ways about it. SEO is getting harder. As it's been getting harder for the last 10 years. Right? It's a leaderboard. It's a leaderboard with 10 positions on page one still, 10 positions on page two. It's a zero sum game. If you get to position one, you've just knocked someone off. If they get to position one, they've just knocked you off. This is a zero sum game. That means it's a competition. And that means that if you're going to win in SEO, you need to be better than you had to be five, three, even one year ago. So the basics, we need to cover the basics. This is fast website, reduced errors, preferably no errors, um, nailing your metas, absolutely basic, right? Your metas, your page titles and your meta descriptions. These are the most important SEO elements of every page of your site. This is typically what Google shows in the search results. Um, this is the bit that entices somebody to click through to your website. So if your metas are weak, or you don't have metas and Google just uses its own or makes up something for you, then you have little control over how many people you can bring onto your site when they see your site in search results. That is not a good situation. You want to write your own metas and you want them to be well optimized so that when people see your site in search, they are compelled, they find it impossible to resist clicking on it. That will help your traffic and that will help your ranking. Other basics with SEO this year, moving forward, continuing enough 
content on every single page of your site. Every page on your site is a landing page. Every site on your page should be trying to rank for something on Google as well. Now, if it's going to try and rank, it needs to have enough content to justify ranking. So e-commerce stores, if you've been listening to this podcast this year, you've heard me beat you up a lot about the amount of content on your product category pages. I'm going to continue doing it. The amount of content on your product pages, I'm going to continue doing it. If you're a lead generation business or a service company, the amount of content on those service pages is crucial. If you want to rank top for competitive service-based keywords, look at the amount of content that your competitors are publishing on their pages to rank, and you will see that it is increasing every single year. So go heavy, answer all the questions that somebody might have about that service on those, con- uh, on those service pages on your site if you want to get them ranking. Excellent user experience is now a must. Try ranking a crappy website now. Go on, I dare you. Try ranking a crappy website in 2022. Incredibly difficult. Now we're still seeing slow sites ranking, yes, but not deadly slow websites because they have a high bounce rate, you know, very difficult for Google to justify continuing to push people to a site where people are just bouncing straight back to search. And Google has a great tool called Test My Site um, so that you can test your site speed and it will give you recommendations there. So it's a little exaggeration to say there are very few businesses that can't benefit from being found at the top of Google. So commit to improving your website's visibility on Google this year. Luna's waking up. Um, Now, by the way, we have a book called How to Get to the Top of Google. And this is a book which shows you step-by-step how to get to the top of Google, whatever you sell. So it's about the principles. There's loads of stories of businesses that we've done it for. Loads of examples, very, very straightforward, very plain English. It's got like 500 five-star reviews on Amazon. It's a really decent book. And we're giving it away free of charge. So if you want your free copy of how to get to the top of Google, in the podcast description for this episode, you will see a link which you can tap on, which will take you to some page where you can get how to get to the top of Google free of charge. So that's the thing that you need to do. If SEO is a big priority for you this year, if you're going to freaking smash it this year, you've been putting it off or you've been going half at it for the last few years, this is your year. Go and get how to get to the top of Google and smash that beast and make it happen. Okay, uh, let's talk about Google Ads. Now, Google Ads are very, very commonly misunderstood. They're treated as the kind of undesirable uh, evil twin, if you like, of organic search. So we'd love to rank organically. If we can't, then we're going to reluctantly plow some cash into Google. Let me be 100% clear. SEO and PPC is better than just SEO. Insulate yourself against any one particular traffic channel driving the majority of your sales. And then if anything happens with the organic visibility, you have the PPC to fall back on. Now, PPC is more expensive than ever. We predicted the Explosion Ninja team, we were asked for our prediction this year. And I said, PPC cost per click is going to go through the roof in 2021. I am very pleased to be right. (laughs) The last that I saw was some, I think, 34% higher CPCs on average in some channels. uh, Sorry, in some markets, over 40%. More businesses relying on digital for their leads more businesses relying on Google ads for their leads. This means one thing, that means more expensive cost per click. That means you need to be better if you're going to be able to afford to run PPC. This means better landing pages. This means having a more attractive offer. What are you giving people? What are you offering in your ad and on your landing page, 
which gets them to convert. Better targeting required to win. We can't be spraying and praying too much with Google Ads this year because you're going to be spending more per click than anybody ever has in history. So we need to be bringing our A game with Google Ads. It's actually interesting how it's relatively rare these days to see absolute rubbish campaigns on Google. It's very rare to see really poor ads. It's really fairly rare to see really poorly targeted um, you know, keywords. So you've got ads showing for things that really aren't relevant. You can still find some often big dumb companies are just you know, absolutely spraying and praying. There's no measurement at all and they're just running ads for everything. But it's much more rare than it used to be. And that is because cost per click is increasing. This means that p businesses are more incentivized to get their PPC right. And it also means that pro-level PPC management is now the kind of price of entry in most markets. It used to be that you get a lot of DIY uh, campaign managers. So it might be a marketing manager that's overseeing all of the digital and they're doing some PPC themselves. This is getting rarer and rarer and rarer because you need to be better in order to win. When your cost per acquisition kind of gets very close to the profit per sale, you need, you know, you need to move that needle. You need to do something to improve that situation. So more and more, we're seeing PPC management, which by the way, is obviously great for Exposure Ninja because we, we run ads for our clients. We are professional PPC managers. But just throwing cash into Google rarely leads to a happy outcome these days. And in more markets, we're seeing PPC management being the price of entry rather than self-managed campaigns. There are still some. And in particular, we see some clients that, you know, they've set up their PPC themselves like five years ago. They've been watching it every week for the last five years. They know their campaign inside out. And in some cases, they are the right people to run those campaigns. But that is a very, very small and shrinking group. So default PPC management is the price of entry in most uh, uh, most markets now. Okay, let's talk about digital PR as our final thing, a uh, final kind of focus point for the next year. Now, we've had digital PR clients featured in top tier publications and on TV, but celebrity or fame is very rarely the target with a digital PR campaign. And this does not change in 2022. With the news cycle becoming faster and faster and faster, you can get traction on a particular story. Let's say that you're newsjacking and you're getting coverage about a particular topic. You might think, oh, great, you know, we've just been everywhere. We've just been featuring all these publications. This is it. Things are going to be different to us. But, you know, two hours later, all of that stuff is buried by the next news event or by the next Downing Street Christmas party or whatever. So, you know, the news cycle is speeding up. More and more content is going online. So fame and celebrity are just not the target with digital PR. Mostly the target with digital PR is credibility and links. I'm going to say it, digital PR is primarily an SEO activity these days. People are looking to get links to their business from high tier publications, which will help their ranking and visibility. Now, if you want to get featured, if digital PR is a priority for you this year, then there are really two ways to get coverage with digital PR, outbound or inbound. So here's how outbound works. Think about your target customers. Where are they spending their time online? The list of publications that they spend their time online getting information about you or just general entertainment and news. So most businesses will have a customer that spends their time on some sort of news site, okay? Whatever your target customer's income level and demographics and all that type of stuff will define the news article sites. I'm not too worried about that side of things. What we're really talking about with Outbound is the trade-specific 
publications that they're spending their time on. Let's say that you're selling computer keyboards to gamers. What are the gaming sites that they are spending their time on? We need to know this because this is the first step in the process. What we do there is we scan through these sites, having a look at the type of articles that they're publishing. We want to get calibrated and familiar with the sort of topics that they're writing about. This is really important because when we're pitching a publication on an article that we're going to write or a story that we're going to give them, we need to make sure it's in the ballpark of what they would already publish. If we're pitching you know, a site that just reviews computer games and we're saying, hey, uh, here's this computer keyboard and it's got this technical wizardry that blah, blah, blah. Well, they're gonna say, well, that's not really relevant for us because we just review computer games. Or actually, they're not gonna say that. They're just not gonna say anything. They just won't reply. So we need to make sure that we're pitching the sort of stuff that they're actually publishing. Once we've done this and we've got a good feel for what they're writing about and we can start to think about how we can fit what we do into that, that's the content and ideation research phase. So we wanna check out the other stuff that has been written on our topic by using Google searches in your target publications. So let's just say, uh, I think there's a site called Gaming Radar, is there? Games Radar, okay. So let's say that we wanna get coverage on Games Radar because there's loads of stuff about particular games and equipment and all this type of stuff. And we think our computer keyboards for gamers will be great featured on here. What we're gonna do is we're gonna go onto Google and we're gonna search for site, colon, gamesradar.com. And then we're gonna search for keyboard. So site, colon, gamesradar.com, space, keyboard. Well, I can see, for example, when I do that search, they've just published an article, Best Gaming Keyboard 2021. They've got another article underneath that, Best Cheap Games Keyboard 2021. Then grab the best keyboard of 2021 at its lowest price ever. Save $58 on the blah, 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 games keyboard, blah, blah, blah. So they are writing about this topic. So by using that site colon, then the website name, then your target keyword, we can start to see all the content that they've published on that topic. This is really useful because what we can then do is go to the people who have written those articles, we click on those links, we see the person who's written that article, and we're gonna pitch those people on our new product. So, hey, Connor, I've noticed that you just wrote an article about the best gaming keyboards of 2021. We're about to come up for 2022. We've got this keyboard that we think would be really great for you. Here's why it's different. It's got this antibacterial stuff on so you don't get all slimy and it also orders delivery for you at the touch of a button, right? whatever it might be. But we want to make sure that we're talking to the right person at the right publication and finding the topics that are right for us is the way to do that by using that site, colon, then their website, then the target keyword. Now, if you find a writer, but you don't know how to contact them, what you can often do is go to their Twitter bio Find them on Twitter. They will often have their email address in their Twitter bio. People, these journalists, these writers, they want to get pitched on things, okay? Particularly if they're in a B2B or a, you know, a more niche publication, actually, their main problem isn't that they're getting pitched too much. It's that they're just getting pitched boring stuff all day long and they want something interesting. So they're actually craving something interesting to write about. So if you then reach out to them and say, hey, we've got this thing or we've got this story or we've got this idea for an article or you know, we're doing something fun, this is the sort of thing that actually you might get a good response from. Now, what we have to remember with all of this outreach with digital PR is that you are contacting someone whose inbox is like a Twitter feed, right? 
it's it's insane. Um, they are busy, they are working to deadlines, and they might not see your first pitch, they might see your first pitch, but it doesn't quite resonate. So you want to then reach out again, you want to maybe change the angle slightly. Hey, just interested to know if you think this sort of thing will be interesting to your audience, that type of thing, and keep going. You will not get a yes on your first outreach attempt unless you're an absolute genius or you're very lucky. So that's outbound digital PR. Um, Inbound digital PR. Now, inbound digital PR has become a little bit more muddy in 2021. There are no two ways about it. Uh, By inbound digital PR, mostly we're talking about using Twitter and the hashtag journal request, hashtag PR request. There are, of course, services like Helper Reporter Out, uh, Response Source, these type of things where you can get email notifications of uh, journalists that are looking for stuff. But most of the time, hashtag journal request, hashtag PR request are uh, a decent source of um, PR opportunity. So just looking at hashtag journal requests right now, I can see two minutes ago, Channel 5 News are looking for any Cardiff-based businesses that will be affected by the new COVID-19 restrictions. We'd like to film with you today. So there you go. You can get on national news today if you respond to that and you happen to live in Cardiff. Uh, What else have we got? Uh, Looking for a garden expert. Um, We've got people looking for uh, psychology behind cuffing season and why we want to couple up in winter for Metro, which is a good quality publication as well. So, you know, this, these sorts of opportunities are out there. If you search for hashtag journal request on Twitter or hashtag PR request on Twitter and you respond to these people with something that's relevant to you, you can get picked up. I've been featured in so many top tier publications, Forbes, Telegraph, Guardian, uh, been on Radio 4, all by just reaching out to people on Twitter. So it's a very viable way of getting some traction. So there you have it. Six fairly bulletproof traffic strategies to make sure that you are testing and playing with in the next year. Remember, if you want help with your digital marketing or you're thinking about your next year and you're thinking this is all really a bit confusing, a bit overwhelming, I don't know how to prioritize all of this stuff, you can request a free website and digital marketing review from the team here at Exposure Ninja. All you need to do is go to exposureninja.com forward slash review Well, there's a short questionnaire that asks you a bit of information about your business, your digital marketing goals. We will then record a video which will send to you by email, usually within two to three working days, showing you where the low-hanging fruit is for your business. So here are the things to fix on your website. Here are the traffic channels that you should be prioritizing. Here's what your competitors are doing. Here are the holes that they're leaving that you can exploit. It's a really useful service, particularly if you're doing any planning, because you can then get this prioritized list from us It's often really useful as well to have an outsider have a look at your site. So many people, they're so close to their websites that they don't see the differences. They don't see the the, the holes or the gaps or the low-hanging fruit because they're on that site all day, every day, and they don't see what they don't see. So really useful to get an outside perspective every so often. So go to ExposureNinja.com forward slash review to request your free website and digital marketing review. And I will speak to you next week.